Hi, welcome to my podcast, Talking Travel with Wendy. I travel the globe interviewing really cool people in small hospitality and tourism businesses. Join me each week as I discover and share something or someone new with you. You can find more at www.travelwithwendy.net. And remember, it's always an adventure when you travel with Wendy. Thanks for joining us today for Talking Travel with Wendy. I am here with Tim from My German Table. He is a food blogger who is from my neck of the words in Germany, from Schwabia. And I'm so glad to have him here today as a food expert. <laughs> thanks for joining me, Tim. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm happy that I get to introduce my blog a bit, uh, talk about a little bit with you. So I'm looking forward to it. Tell us where you are from. I am from southern Germany. I went to school and grew up in Rottweil. It's a small town around 25,000 people. It's between Stuttgart, which is in the center of Swabia, southern Germany, and the Lake Constance. So it's pretty close to the Swiss and French border southwest of Germany. It's a beautiful area itself. It's close to the Swabian Alp. It's close to the Black Forest, but it's it's neither in the Black Forest nor on the Swabian Alp. It's somewhere in between. I love uh, Rottweil. You have the best Fasching festival parade in all yes. of Baden. The costumes are fantastic. Yes, it is a very famous uh, carnival. Uh, it's also the uh, oldest town still in uh, Baden-Württemberg and it has a, a great history if you like uh, old Roman towns. It's you guys have the elevator museum there too, right? The, the tower, yes. yes. <laughs> we uh, call it the, the tall tower. <laughs> yes, the tall tower, yes. They built that a few years ago. Uh, it's uh, yes to test elevators. It's the highest one I think in southern Germany too, but of course it's a modern uh, building. It's not like the old towers that the town has. In Rottweiler also uh, celebrates the dog. Yes, yes. You can uh, pet the, the doggy's nose, right? For good luck. <laughs> yes, 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 you can do. And a lot of people there still have uh, Rottweiler dogs. Uh, I think I it's love, very nice. Um, the, the town gate tower that they reconstructed uh, recently, the, the one with the clock. Yes, yes, yes. The... So pretty. It's such a beautiful town. I, I really love Rottweil. So very lucky to grow up there. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. We had a very beautiful, we live very close to the to the city center, but we still have a, had a huge garden and everything, but we live maybe five minutes from the tower. And we also have the costumes for the Fasnacht. As a kid, I already went down there when I was. The ruined foundations? Yes, yes, yes. There's still a lot uh, in the old city center. It's not so big, but it... Uh, it's still in pretty good shape. So tell us about your food blog. What inspired you to start writing about your recipes? Well, uh, for one, it was a way for me to write down some things and I uh, kept a little documentation. But also because I, when I look uh, at something online and so on, I saw that there's uh, very little resources, especially on, uh, on Southern German cooking. And when you look at uh, especially English-speaking language uh, recipes, a lot of times they focus on the stuff that uh, everyone knows, like the schnitzel or the Rouladen and uh, these very famous German dishes, but it's, uh, they, they lack a bit in the, in the more local. I love you had a recipe for the Maltaschen because I'm going to try it. 
And I miss it so much. Can you tell us the story about Maltashen? Oh, yes. Uh, so the dumplings, the Maltashen, they have been a traditional food uh, during the fasting season or on Fridays because uh, Catholics obviously are not allowed uh, usually to eat meat on Fridays, which is why a lot of canteens in Germany, they still serve fish on Fridays because you're not allowed to eat meat. And after the carnival until Easter is a fasting period too, where you Nowadays it's not so strict anymore, but in the old days they weren't allowed to eat meat. So to eat a little meat, they invented the, um, the maltash and they took the dumplings and then they hide, used it to hide the meat uh, from God. <laughs> of course, you don't know if they got inspiration from the Italians or from anyone, but maybe they got the inspiration from there. But I think it's uh, in Italy is a, is a very strict Catholic country too. So I think it might be that came from there too, to Swabia. It was the Marlboron monks, right? that were yes. that were the sneaky ones and that was a pretty big monastery in Marlborough. yes yes yeah. yes a very famous monastery and you can still go there and uh, they still i think they still are open to tourists sometimes to go there and uh, take a look at it actually the name maultaschen is the maul is for Marlborough is uh, to oh. honor their name that's why they called maultaschen they had a more traditional name in swabia uh, they are sometimes called uh Herrgott's Scheißele, which means uh, in the accent, it means uh, to cheat God. Very hard to pronounce outside of Swabia. So a lot of Swabian foods, they actually have some more localized names, but they are hard to uh, pronounce for other German speakers too. So I love that can... though. That's awesome. That, and I never, I love how you wake up in the morning and never know what you're going to learn. And like that right there, I learned something new and I've lived there for the last five years. But that yeah. that's so true because it's so literal. <laughs> yes, yes, they used to have the literal name, but then when it spread all over Germany and it became more popular and then uh, it was not in every accent, uh, it's easy to pronounce this. So uh, they changed it to Maultaschen, which uh, to honor the origin, the Kloster Maulborn. I, I, I heard a story once from a tour guide who said that they, uh, the king had said, I want you to make everybody else's vegetarian and I want you to make mine with meat. You don't need to tell people about it. I just want it with meat. And the joke was, it was all of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were hiding it. <laughs> yes, yeah. And another popular recipe that we had almost at every meal was the spatula. The, oh yes, the yeah. pasta. There's there's a misconception in America though that all the spätzle is made with potatoes. Yes, the spätzle itself. There's another thing made with potatoes. There's special potato noodles, but the spätzle is made from flour. I'm actually uh, gonna try to attempt the Schwarzwald Kirschtorte this weekend. The black oh, yeah. rice cake. I took a class in Gutach. Down, oh yes, down yeah. by Treiberg. Um, from one of the chefs who worked with the original, or they think Yosef, who was the original. Uh, and he showed us the assembly and told us about how the crust has to be a shortbread crust to be authentic. authentic. <laughs> when my family makes it, uh, my mother makes it with a biscuit. Yeah. Biscuit dough, yeah, um, very light dough. But I I think the most important thing about it is that it is a layered cake and you have a different layer of chocolate and the cream and the sour cherries. It's important that you use and the, and Kirschwasser. And yes. Kirschwasser. That's, uh, Kirschwasser is a cherry liqueur. 
right? Yes. Yes. Tim, did you go to school to be a chef? No, uh, I didn't. I study at university. I completed my uh, bachelor's degree in food science and biotechnology. And now I'm in my master's uh, food engineering. University of Hohenheim, it's a bit outside of Stuttgart. It's an agricultural university with a focus on, they make agriculture and the food sciences and life sciences. I've ridden my bike through Hohenheim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have pretty gardens there. Yes, yes, they have a have a large garden. Unfortunately, at this time, it's uh, closed because of the pandemic. It's a very beautiful site. Uh, they grow a lot of things there too uh, for themselves. They have a little, a little, uh, few wine hills where they grow, make their own wine. I liked the wine from the Stuttgart area. I spent quite a bit of time in Esslingen, and I've gone to their wine walk. That was. Yeah. A- and I had a Swabian friend who was playing a funny on me and I did not realize it until after the festival. And she had said, oh, Wendy, to truly have the best experience at the Esslingen Weinweg, you must, you must go backwards. You must, all the traffic, all the people begin downtown and then they go and then the very last is sweet wine. Well, I will tell you in May, if you start with cold, sweet wine and you go the opposite direction, yeah. <laughs> you're pretty drunk by halfway. <laughs> yeah, that is quite. <laughs> that was not good advice. She was playing a funny on me. <laughs> oh, in the Stuttgart area, they have a huge culture for the, with the wine. I think it's international. It's not so recognized because it's quite sour. So it's mostly appreciated by local people. If you come here, you can try this. Uh, it's very good for cooking, I think. But for drinking, some people say it's I know too sour for them. Or a lot of time they dilute it, half uh, water or half sparkling water, half wine. Yeah, I learned a, a bunch about the wine culture there that most of the wine that's produced there is sold there. Yeah, yes, it's not it's not internationally uh, yeah. recognized. <laughs> it, doesn't go, it doesn't go everywhere. Do you use wine with your cooking? Uh, yes, I use it uh, for for meat dishes or for sauces. It's always uh, nice if you want some something long cooked like a goulash or if, if you're making a stew or something. It's always if you add a bit of wine and then the alcohol cooks off nicely and you, in the end you have a nice a nice sauce that is a bit acidic. Is a bit fruity. Where do you get your inspiration for for picking a recipe or choosing this recipe is what I'm going to highlight this week on the blog? Well, most of the stuff is stuff that I've been known for for longer times because I grew up with it or I live with it. But oftentimes the idea to post a recipe comes from when I when I see something at the market or when I see. Sometimes it's even something from my my mother and my grandmother have a bigger garden. Sometimes they have something from there. And when I have something, I think, oh, I could make this one time again. Or sometimes I feel like making certain foods for a week or so. And then I make a plan and say, oh, why not uh, take a picture and write down a recipe, take a bit of the quantities. Uh, So it's mostly inspirational and what I come up with. It's, uh, I don't, go and uh, write a plan for six weeks or so and say this and this and this and this. It's more something that pops up in my mind. And then I think that would be a good idea for the blog. Oh, that's wonderful. And I have to say, I appreciate very much that you put American measurements on there as well. (laughs) I, I did learn to use a scale in grams while we lived in Europe, but I really appreciate that. 
I am able to share and say, take a look at Jim's website. He has it in American measurements. And also that you include the equivalent of where we can find maybe an ingredient that might be readily available in Germany, but harder. How did you learn to know what the equivalent was in America? In part of because I lived there as an exchange student for one year when I was there in, uh, after 10th grade and I lived with a host family. And then uh, sometimes from looking up, when I looked up English speaking recipes, I often saw with the, with the cup measurements and so on. And my host mother one time, even she had gifted me like these measuring cups. So I had them anyways. Oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> so I so I could use them. Usually I don't if I make like I, I really like them for measuring because if I do like a German recipe anyways, I, I usually if the stuff if I know the stuff I don't uh, measure it, I estimate it uh, roughly how much I use and I usually for cooking I don't use a gram scale. But then if I use like a cup also, I think it's a very simple way. If if you have a soup or something, how many carrots go in there, you can say around one cup and so on. If it says like in Germany, 150 gram, I don't know how much that is, but I can judge it roughly how much I like in there. Maybe two handfuls, maybe three handfuls. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I've, I've been behind a couple of German cooks where they just toss with their hands and I'm like, wait a minute, how much was that? <laughs> Did you cook? Did you uh, prepare dishes for your host family? At that time, not so much. So sometimes we cooked and we tried some things. For example, my parents, one time they sent Kirschwasser and then we tried to make a black forest cake there. And I think we made liver cakes, uh, liver cheese. In oh, the, no way! In the oven one time. Uh, and my parents stay. My mother, she visited at the end of my stay. And then I think we made a, a maultaschen one time together. Excellent. Together too. <laughs> Uh, tell my listeners what else they might be able to find on your website. So my website is one part is recipes, which is I post about uh, one time a week. I try to put up a new recipe. And then I have some other articles. That's mostly stuff that comes to my mind. Sometimes it's something about history of a certain food or history of something. Another time, it might be something related to the area of food science. For example, one time I, I always wondered why, for example, pressure cookers somehow not so common in the U.S. Like they are in Germany, in southern Germany, almost everyone has the pressure cooker. And then you make, if you make something like a lentil or some goulash, it's long cooking. I looked up some on it and then I found out that, for example, the meat in there is more tender and the reason why it cooks quicker and so on. So I included posts like this too. And sometimes... It's also about ingredients or yeah, other things that come to my mind. Yeah, that's awesome. What is your favorite dish to prepare for others? My favorite dish, and it's probably because it's a favorite dish in my family too, is the Krautkrapfen, which is the uh, is a thin layer, it's a noodle dough, and you take a sauerkraut and then you roll it like you would uh, with a cinnamon roll, and then you can cut it into individual pieces. It's uh, fried, and then it's a bit, uh, and you cover the pot, add some broth or water, and steam it. And it's like a, it's a very simple pasta, but it's very good. It's very savory. Do you um, have you that just, on the website? Yes, yes, I, I have it on the website. You're going to have to try it. You're going to have to try it. It's not that, it's actually not that common. It's uh, it's from the, from Southern, uh, Southern Swabia. Nowadays, they don't know it anymore because it's it hasn't spread that far. And you don't usually see it in restaurants because it, if you make it for many people, it's quite labor intensive to prepare because you would need to, you would need to roll it every what time. I'm, you know what I'm thinking of, Tim, is the Strunk Noodling. 
That's what I'm thinking of. Or the oh, the shrimp noodle. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. That's another dish. It's a bit, it's a bit similar in flavor, but it's uh, different. <laughs> well, yeah, and in Baden-Württemberg, Schwabia area, people might not know. There are parts which are very close to France, so the, sometimes they even say that uh, food of the Alsace region is French people say it's like uh, German food because they also have a lot of dishes with sauerkraut and a lot of these tarts and a lot of dishes that are from southwestern France. And so it's an area that is very similar to Germany. If you, uh, we go there sometimes uh, with my judo club, we go there for competitions to southwestern France and to train with them. Nowadays, it's not so good anymore because we don't talk uh, French so well and they don't talk German so well. But if you meet the older people there, they all bilingual. They all have um, German and French as a mother language. So if we go there and there are some older people, they always like to talk to us because it's it's an area that's very close between France and Germany. It's a very uh, nice friendship, I think, nowadays. So, Tim, what's going on with um, with the COVID right now? Uh, where Where's Germany? Where's Schwabia? at this point <laughs> oh it's uh it's still uh in lockdown it's getting better the last the last few weeks have been getting better but myself i haven't been affected or my family or anyone but obviously nowadays now we have to wear masks but overall i think the situation in germany is uh, much better than it is for example in france or italy uh, yeah. It's slowly getting better, but of course, it's uh, not back to normal yet. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. This has been such a blast. Thank you for having your website. It has um, made me feel a little less homesick. And um, just keep doing it. All I, I, I love it. Keep, keep it up. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm very glad about every reader. And uh, if someone finds a recipe he or she likes and likes to try or... Sometimes people also, they write me, they found something they knew from, I don't know, their grandparents who, and then they emigrated to America and then they knew, oh, their grandmother made maybe goulash or something like that, or spätzle, and then they discover a recipe. I mean, that's great. Thanks for joining Talking Travel with Wendy, and I look forward to keeping up with all your new and interesting recipes and the website. I wish you the best of luck finishing university and your master's degree. That's awesome. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs>